0: Welcome to Storytime with the Intimacy Ally. Each episode will tear down a myth kick a social norm in the beanbag, gut punch a sex ed untruth, or destroy a poorly constructed relationship expectation. Get ready to unlearn all the crap you accepted as fact. Strap in for a mind-blowing revision on what sex is and what it can do. Prepare yourself for a whole new thought pattern when it comes to modern relationships. And now, here's your host, Jenny Simus, the intimacy ally, relationship expert, and certified sex and intimacy coach. Hello, my lovelies.
1: Welcome back to story time with the Intimacy Ally. I'm like sitting here trying to figure out where to put my mic so it's not so like in the red. And I don't know if that's helpful or if it's just making things weirder. Make mm, as will wind up. So today... We are actually starting a series because this myth that we're going to try to combat, there are enough of them that I can't do just one episode. And that's disgusting because what we're going to be talking about is rape and sexual violence myths. And this is just part one in this collection or series. It was inspired by the Danny Masterson sentencing. Now, Danny Masterson, Hyde, on that 70s show, was a longtime crush for me. Um, I remember him in movies and shows, you know, from way back and definitely as Hyde on that 70s show, he and my ex-husband, who, you know, is the father of my children, they have like a lot in common in my mind. Um, snarky, moody, you know, sexy, down on his luck kind of guy. Uh, yeah. So it's no wonder to me that I had a crush on Hyde, because I also had a crush on my ex. Now, of course, you know, fun fact also, uh, Danny and my ex are actually only a few months apart in age. So that's kind of funny. Now Hyde is not Danny Masterson, of course. And, uh, being somebody who went to school for theater and yeah, I acted professionally for a while there in DC and Baltimore. Um, I know that parts of you can kind of leak into a character, but I also know that the things that I think were admirable about Hyde apparently had nothing to fucking do with the villainous, violent rapist That was playing him. So it's going to be a few episode series, but the actual case for Danny Masterson, I'm going to talk about that a little bit right now. And then I really would like to jump into this list of 10 fucking myths that I have surrounding rape and sexual violence. Okay. So, He's got all of these victims that have come forward. There were five in all. Uh, Two of them did not have their cases go through to completion. Three of them did. And one of those had it dropped because of a hung jury. Of the two he ended up getting sentenced with 30 years to life and he's eligible for parole at 25 and a half years. So that to me seems like not a whole lot of time. But, you know, I digress. I'm glad he got fucking convicted. Uh, We are definitely going to dive back into the particulars, especially that I just realized that one of his victims is the wife of one of the singers of a couple of my favorite bands, the Mars Volta and at the drive-in. So that's interesting. Just goes to show you, I haven't really been reading uh, People Magazine, I guess, enough anymore. Um, And then there's the whole thing that now that Danny's been convicted, he's on suicide watch and his wife left him. And yeah, I don't really have any feelings on that. I think that it really pisses me off that it took so long for his victims to be able to speak out. And I think that you're going to see as these episodes come out, there is definitely a tie between Scientology and how he was able to get away with this as long as he was. So that needs to be discussed. All right. But for today, I want to talk about these myths, these untruths, these disgusting thoughts out in the zeitgeist of our fucking culture that I have had said to me by people who are like, okay, not all of them, but a couple of these have come up in conversation with people who are not disgusting Like, they're not terrible people. They don't generally say things that make me want to punch somebody. But when they said things like this, it made me want to punch somebody. So, my lovelies, let's dive into it. Uh, Number one. Number one myth is uh, sexual violence doesn't happen as often as we think. I read through several statistics. Uh, the only statistic that I'm willing to share is from the National Sex. Sh- Gonna have to ooh, take a breath on that one. Okay, the only statistic I'm going to share with you here is from the National Sexual Violence Resource Center. It says one in three female victims of completed or raped. Oh my god, I can't talk. This subject is really like important to me. This subject boils my blood um, because I am a person who had things happen to me as a very young child and then again as an adult. So this subject is very moving and very disturbing for me. So let me try to get this fucking statistic out now. It's from the National Sexual Violence Resource Center. One in three female victims of completed or attempted rape experienced it for the first time between the ages of 11 and 17. I was younger. The first time. It's not a group you want to be in. It's not a badge that you want to have. <laughs> Nobody wants to be a victim of rape or sexual violence. It is so prevalent. I I honestly can only think of a handful of women that I know personally who haven't experienced any form of it and i'm a social fucking butterfly i know a lot of people so that's gross that's awful i read another article that i don't have the information for so don't hold me to it one in two one in two women or women identified people will be sexually assaulted in their lifetime that's half fucking half, man. All right. Untruth myth number 2. Rapists are usually strangers in dark alleys. Oh my fucking god. Um so we're not living in a lifetime movie. I understand that a lot of us are watching or you know enjoying rehashing of true crime, guilty as charged my favorite fucking podcast is and that's why we drink where they go through a true crime and a paranormal story every week. Um, but when they do, you find out that there are a lot less of these serial rapists or serial rapist murderers than there are of people who knew their victims, people who, were acquaintances, people who worked with their victims, people who stalked their victims, people who were in relationships with their victims. Like rape is not happening because you were in the wrong place at the wrong time nearly as much as it is happening because someone you know decided to rape you. Number three, leads me right into it. A person cannot rape their partner. Bullshit. About half, 51.1% of female victims of rape reported being raped by an intimate partner. I have been through this. I survived this. If you need to talk about it, fucking email me. We can talk. It's really, really difficult to talk to somebody about this because it's so hard to explain that you didn't say no because you were in a relationship with someone. People don't understand unless it's happened to them, I don't think, how easily that could happen. Now, number four, women are raped because they were dressed a certain way, danced a certain way, you know, did something different with their makeup. Somehow they invited this behavior. It's the they were asking for it. Defense. Now, I have it on good authority from a dude that no article of clothing turns people into rapists. So just keep that in mind when you're thinking about that or when you're judging someone for the way they dressed, where they went, the way they acted. Did they, did they move provocatively? Like, what the fuck is that? Because somebody was twerking, it does not make them a a, a big fucking red neon sign for just fucking rape me. No, that is not how that fucking works. And assuming that the people who are doing the raping, the people who are doing the sexual violent act can't control themselves because somebody was wearing a halter top, get the fuck out of here. You should be ready to control yourself every day, and not just jump on somebody and start humping them like a fucking dog. Number five. Oh, it just makes my skin crawl. A lot of women lie about being raped. When I was researching this, I came across this older chick who had something, it was like fatal, like, feminist something. Oh God, I'm going to have to look it up. But she, she poses as a feminist and then is on this YouTube channel explaining that being on a college campus doesn't increase your risk of getting raped. I don't know if that statistic is true or not, but then also tries to say there's no rape culture. And to be honest, a lot of women lie. We don't know how many, but it's at least 2%. Wow. Wow oh my God, it's like I've never seen a YouTube video that could more accurately describe someone who probably voted for Trump. That's how I felt looking at that. What the fucking fuck? Way to go against your own goddamn team. Currently, statistics say 2 to 8% of accusations turn out to be false. Now, when you compare that how many of us have been silenced, have chosen not to press charges because of the upheaval or backlash it would cause us, the victims and their families, I think that is a negligible amount of false accusations. I feel like that's okay because there's probably, what, 70% of people who are victims who don't report because they're fucking scared. So yeah, I'll take that 2% of angry ex-girlfriends. Sure, you're right. It's not my life that they're fucking up, but I'll take it. Number six. This myth. (laughs) Rape or sexual assault or sexual violence is just about sex. (laughs) Uh, uh, uh. Nope. Not true. It is about force. It is about unwelcome or unconsented dominance. It is about power. It is about taking power away from the person who is being attacked, who is being raped, who is being molested, who is being involved in some sort of sexual related violence. And that's why I think I feel the need to so often include sexual violence and rape, because I feel like in our society, you hear the word rape and, and, and you just kind of like tune out. Like you're not, you're not listening anymore. Sexual violence, sexual violence. I want you to hear it that way. And I want you to understand it that way. You are not just, you know, oh, I wasn't really in the mood, and then he did it anyway. No, you have said no. You have tried to maneuver yourself, perhaps, in a way that you wouldn't be able to be raped. You are fighting back in some form, maybe. You know, we're going to get to that. But you have made it clear to this person who is now continuing to do this violent sexual act to you without your permission, you have made it clear to them that you don't want it. And they're going ahead anyway. That brings me to number seven. This myth pisses me the fuck off. I mean, they all do. But if someone didn't fight back during the violent act, then they wanted it on some level. Fuck you. Fuck you. Have you heard? Actually, you know what? I'm sure you've heard of fight or flight mode in response to danger. Are you aware of the four other Fs? Freeze, fawn, flop, or friend? We'll get more into them when we go and have a guest on who is an actual, you know, therapist. I want to talk more with her about these things. But all of those trauma responses are learned and hardwired into us. And all of them will look like you just didn't do anything. When in reality, your body and your mind were doing what they needed to do to stay safe. Just because you didn't physically fight back doesn't mean that you wanted any of it to happen. And this especially goes for if it's happening in a relationship because the confusion, the fear, the not being able to comprehend how this person who you are in love with, in a relationship with, dating, have moved in with, uh, are married to, is now raping you. Like it's, it's impossible to wrap your mind around it and it can be over. Very quickly. If a person gets off on this, they can rape you really fast. I'll let you know that. And then you're just there and, you, and you're and you trying to make sense of it and you're trying to think like, holy shit, what just happened? So, of course, a person in that situation... And in many other situations where your body and your mind just react in such a way that it looks like you are giving in, but it is really that your body is just like, okay, all right, we we just have to stay safe. We just have to stay safe. So it looks like compliance. So I, I just hate this. I hate this myth so much because it is perpetuated and it's the one that I hear most from women. And I think that's what pisses me off is like reading tales of women saying, oh, well, you know, they didn't fight back. So must have must have been something they wanted. You know, maybe they just wouldn't want to admit that they wanted it. I hate that. I hate it so much. Ugh. Um, all right, let's move on. Number eight. If the victim does not, or if the victim does report it and their story changes, even in the slightest, they're lying and they cannot be trusted as their own witness to the act. This happened in the Danny Masterson case, actually, um, the really Famous person, I guess you could call her uh, Chrissy Carnell Bixler. Um, She at one point talked about a gun and then another time she didn't. And so she's the, she's the hung jury. She's the one that didn't get her justice. She is also a person that he raped in a relationship, which they will perpetuate that that can't happen. Oh, my soul. What bothers me so much about this is something that I promise we will do a deeper dive into when I have the therapist and the specialist on to discuss these behaviors or like this, this kind of amnesia that can happen after a traumatic incident. And how you might remember certain details later, or you might leave things out, or you might add things in because your mind is going so crazy when it's happening. It's not working quite correctly, but I don't want to delve too much into that because I am not an expert on that. So I would rather have, um, someone who can speak to that for you. Number nine, (laughs) You can't rape the willing. Oh my fucking God. I can like hear it in a frat whacker's voice. Can't you? I couldn't rape her. You can't rape the willing. This, this totally puts me to mind of like Brock Turner or like the, so I don't know if Kobe Bryant in this way is like remembered by anyone that much younger than me. But I remember him being accused of sexual violence, of rape, of a 19-year-old girl in a hotel when he was 24, and it got pushed under the rug. That girl, and I'm going to say girl because 19, 19, in my mind, you're still pretty fucking young. So this 19-year-old girl was a concierge at this hotel, and I'm pretty sure Kobe fucking raped her. We don't ever talk about that because he died in a tragic helicopter accident with his child. That's horrifying. Horrific. It's awful. Doesn't excuse the fact that he was a wild philanderer and his wife almost divorced him a little while before that helicopter accident because he kept cheating on her. And all he ever owned up to in that rape case was... Cheating on her, committing adultery. And that witness was badgered so hard. Or not witness, I'm sorry. That victim was badgered so hard, she gave up the case. You have to understand, people love some Kobe. Love them. I have no idea what the statute of limitations is, but I wonder... If Hyde getting convicted, might open that case back up because I feel like that woman did not get justice. I think she got a settlement. I hope it helped. But she did not get justice. Nope. Anyway, let's get back to number nine. You can't rape the willing. It's my personal phase or fave because it's a testament not only to male ego, but because it's a lovely little switcheroo they make about rape being about attraction, again, being about, you know, sex, as opposed to being about power. So basically saying ugly chicks will always want sex from a guy above their attractiveness level, and that's why you can't rape the willing. Yeah, bite me. You fucking fuck. Uh, I think on that note, because I'm getting real fired up and there are a few more episodes of this, so I want to save some of that angry energy for them. The big one is. (laughs) Hurts. There is no such thing as rape culture. (laughs) <laughs> oh my God. What? All right. So, first things first, what is rape culture? Now, we have to discuss what it is, but I just want to put it out there. Why are conservatives and deniers so hot? To, well, deny rape culture's existence. Well, um, because making this a political argument instead of a human rights argument allows for the perpetuation of ideals like boys will be boys and she was asking for it and you can't rape the willing and allows for all of this victim shaming and victim blaming to be the go-to fucking response. This... This fucking one, this myth is the reason or one of the big reasons I have this fucking podcast. Because shit like this keeps on getting put out there in society and we keep saying, oh yeah, that's fine. And it's not. It's absolutely not. Okay, so let me explain in better words than mine. This is from the activist group FORCE they explain what rape culture is. Um, and there will be links to all of this in the show notes, just so you know. Um, in a rape culture, people are surrounded with images, language, laws, and other everyday phenomena that validate and perpetuate rape. You think that we're not? I feel like I should make this a qu- like a Q&A on the, on the episode I would really love to know because you have to think about this. Rape culture includes jokes, TV, music, advertising, legal jargon, words, words and imagery that make sexual violence and coercion seem so normal that people believe that rape is inevitable. Rather than viewing the culture of rape as a problem to change, people in a rape culture think about the persistence of rape as just the way things are. Countless moving parts create a rape culture, including the attitudes we raise children with, how we teach them to treat others and react to how they are treated and more. Rape culture is entrenched in every single aspect of media and life, and it would take a focused widespread effort to actively combat it. A few Small groups of activists cannot realistically change the way every citizen thinks. All of us need to work to break down the ways we have learned to discredit the stories and pain of survivors. Now, from survivorsjusticecenter.org, I want to read one more thing, and then we're going to jump. Something so deeply entrenched in our society takes constant effort to make a meaningful change. Rape culture is implicit. It's all the little things we say and do that allow for perpetrators of a sexual assault to hold power over their victims and all the ways we take power from survivors. It ranges from the ways women and men are depicted in media to the ways we react to allegations of rape to the percentage of rapists who actually go to jail for their crimes. I want you to think about those things until the next episode. I want you to think, and I want you, maybe if you can, I want you to list them. Just think about it. Because Everyday Feminism outlined 25 examples of rape culture that we encounter every day we can go ahead and list those off on the next episode, maybe. But I want you to think about rape culture. I want you to think about how can you do one thing to make it less of an implicit reality? Like, how can you make it less of a, this is the status quo, it's just the way things are because that's what we're doing here. I want to make rape an unwelcome part of our society and our story as humans who interact with each other. I want victims to be able to come forward and tell their stories without thinking that the auto-response is going to be, you lying fucking bitch, what were you wearing? I want that to be my world. So I hope you're in for it too. On the next episode, we are going to have a therapist come on and talk a little bit about how... Scientology and the did she call it it's like mass thinking. Oh, groupthink. Groupthink is one of the things that she had mentioned. And like this fanatical religious hive mind type type thing that happens and how they teach you like to protect from the inside and not to share what's going on outside. That's basically how Danny got away with this for so long, like through the fucking Me Too movement. Like The Me Too movement started in 2006. Nobody came forward on him, I don't think until like 2017. I'll have to check my notes. Um, but we're going to talk about that on the next episode. And I hope you will come back because I feel like I'm getting in my stride, and and this is the important stuff that we need to talk about and that I want other people to know, like they're not alone in having suffered this or gone through this. Um, There are resources out there and I want to help you find them. I want you to feel like you are seen and heard. And I know that actually going in for therapy or actually talking to police or maybe even actually talking to your parents or your friends is scary So I want you to feel like you have a safe place to share your story. So that's what, that's what we're doing here. All right, that's it for today. My lovelies, stay safe, be kind to each other, and come back next time.
0: Thank you for tuning in to story time with the intimacy ally. we hope you learned a bit more about putting the fire back in your romantic relationships, exploring communication and emotional readiness in all relationships and how to expand your definition of intimacy. So you can reach your relationship goals. Go to the intimacy to subscribe and never miss an episode. Follow the links in the show notes to social media and events till next time. Keep on learning, growing and thinking story time with the intimacy ally podcast is meant for ed- educational, and entertainment purposes only and should not be considered as health or mental health advice.